Welcome everyone to another Delta Green Operation Review. I'm Nate, lost in time and space, and I'm joined with today... I'm Innkeeper Vaisodin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn. And today we're going to be taking a look at the last operation in Delta Green Black Sites that we have yet to review, The Last Equation. Yes, yes we are. And uh, it this one is uh, very different from any other Delta Green scenario. Whereas the last one we reviewed, Kaligati, was like really action-packed. This kind of goes the other way. This one... It does, yeah. Yeah. This one's filled with a lot of mystery, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Uh, so, Vase, why don't you give us the lowdown? When was this scenario originally released, and what edition are we going to be looking at today? Yes, uh, this one was originally released in 2010 for the old Delta Green supplement for Call of Cthulhu, and then it was reworked and re-released for Delta Green, the role-playing game, as a standalone scenario in 2018. And now, in 2021, it was compiled with a bunch of other scenarios in the book Black Sites that was released in 2021. And that's the one that we're going to be reviewing is the version that is in Black Sites. So if you have any previous editions, there might be some slight changes, but I would assume overall they're pretty good about maintaining the general chunk of the content within the changes to the scenarios. So... Uh, before we get into our actual review, there will be spoilers throughout, so if players are looking to experience this story blind, send your handler over this way, and we will see you all in our next episode. But if you're a handler and you're watching this video and you like this content, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. That helps our channel out a lot. Now, face. Why don't we get into the meat of the scenario itself? Um, just the brief kind of summary of what happens. Um, a graduate student who's uh, studying mathematics, uh, his name is his last name is Wei, uh, he just goes nuts one day and then goes to New Jersey and murders an entire family. Nine people in total are dead, including himself. And he just was acting really strange, wrote some a strange series of numbers with spray paint on, on a pavement middle of the day with a bunch of people watching and then uh, very graphically dies. <laughs> very, very graphically dies in front of a bunch of people and camera crews and stuff. Yeah, it's right on the middle of the highway, right? He, he like, after he goes to the family's house, he goes to the local highway and has an encounter with the police and that's where it makes makes the evening news <laughs> yeah yeah it's crazy i love how this game doesn't pull punches so um so immediately uh it goes you know in the local news and it's quickly gaining steam like the story of this guy who just went nuts and the number sequence that he that he spray painted immediately triggers a red flag with delta green they've had previous operations where um, that a sequence of numbers like that has been found and including operations where some agents died. So Delta Green sends in the agents and that's where the story begins. So there's a few different options that the investor, oh my goodness, I do this every time we do one of these reviews, the agents can do. Uh, once they arrive in New Jersey, they meet up with a local police chief who kind of gives them the basic lowdown of the situation. And obviously, they've probably caught things on the news. And um, there's also a TV reporter that they could speak to potentially as well. But that ends up being a bit of a sticky wicket for them, depending on how things go for them. Um, so, yeah, uh, a bit of backstory about the Laqueus equation, which is uh, the whole 
reason why the the grad student way uh, went went nuts to begin with was this uh, this equation was found in the I believe it's the 16th century by a um, by a mathematician in Brussels who kind of frantically writes down the equation and writes down some sequence or sequences from the equation and it the book is sort of lost in time throughout the course of a few hundred years and this grad student doing a a project for his dissertation finds this equation and eventually figures it out and that's what kind of spurs him to see or uh, hear things within the sequence of numbers. Yeah, I find it interesting that the mathematician that wrote the book, he was only 26 years old, according to this, but yet he wrote seven books and ha- came up with some like pulley system. So in, he he was only 26 when he died, or at least as far as the people know that because the, the history doesn't really say uh, exactly when he passed away, but uh, there's no record of him after 1561. So 26 years old he did all this stuff so that that's i found that kind of interesting he seemed like really young even for the 16th century Um, yeah it gives it like a sort of mozart kind of savant yeah uh, feel to it for sure yeah this equation is really what this all boils down to the solution to this math problem that this mathematician found turns out the number is actually the solution broken down so like reality is broken down into this equation into this number so everything that has to do with reality and existence is boiled down to this math equation and with it you can predict pretty much anything it kind of consumes your mind and tells you things and (laughs) makes you do things it's uh it's really an interesting take on on horror something i've never really seen before and one interesting note that the scenario begins with is that it recommends the players are not skilled in mathematics whatsoever. Uh, Delta Green is likely to send agents that are unskilled in the matter so that they don't accidentally uncover the meaning of the equation, which I also thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, they will not. If you tell them as an agent that you are good at physics or math, you are immediately removed from consideration for for the operation, which yeah, that's uh, very, which is interesting, but kind of counterintuitive, don't you think? If yeah, it's counterintuitive because it is a an operation that has everything to do with math and physics, but it's the knowledge, so it's clever because you know the mythos has always been like you know too much, and that's what drives you insane or is your doom is finding out too much things you should never have known. So it kind of plays on that because if you're good with math and physics, then you will figure out what the equation means. And then therefore you've, you know too much and it can drive you insane and you can become part of the problem. So very clever, very cleverly done, I think. Yeah. But one thing that kind of confuses me about that sort of premise is that it, kind of feels like the players are never going to understand what's happening. So that might be something as a handler you want to consider maybe throwing in ways for them to figure it out. But as we unfold through the story of the scenario, uh, I, I think there are good ways that the agents can figure out kind of the gist of what's going on without actually figuring out what's going on. Yeah, it. I kind of wrote a similar thing of what you just said, and um, I'll kind of expand on that when we get to the actual thoughts. 
Um, but yeah, I agree with you on that. It's, it's uh, you know, a little bit difficult to make that work, but uh, we'll get to it. Um, so uh, let's talk about the 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 people involved in the scenario. So the agents are called in and immediately they start meeting a bunch of people involved with the investigation because it's a small town in New Jersey. These, this kind of stuff doesn't happen often. So they, the police department immediately involves the FBI because of the way cross state lines. So immediately it's a federal investigation. So the police are there, the media is there, and then the FBI is there. And the agents are sent in as with the cover of being FBI special agents who are specialists in physics or mathematics, even though they're not <laughs> going to be specialists in physics and mathematics. Um, and the main goal of the agents is to cover everything up and kind of turn the investigation into a simple kind of murder and make it look like, you know, there was some kind of either domestic dispute or, you know, love gone wrong. Any, any way that they want to uh, turn this investigation into, uh, as long as they take attention away from the number and the equation and get the case closed as quickly as possible and, you know, try to basically contain anybody who was exposed to the number. Yeah. And as the as the agents do their investigation, they will eventually figure out that there have been a group of people that Wei was emailing as a part of a sort of mathematics uh, extracurricular group that he was a part of in his graduate program. So so there's there is um, there is that aspect that the agents will have to contend with as well. But more interestingly, the FBI actually sends a a uh, mathematics expert to the scene named Dr. Comox. We will get to Dr. Comox. <laughs> She's yeah, that one is a really cool part of the of the operation. Um, but I think let's first talk about the the easier ones because Dr. Comox is kind of like going to develop the rest of how the things go, right? Mm-hmm, definitely. So why don't we start with uh, Supervisory Special Agent Canner. Canner is a, you know, he's a 47-year-old black man from from the area, and he he basically acts as sort of a, uh, a lifeline to the agents where, you know, he's a pretty good source of information. He, he also just kind of wants to get, get this over with because he doesn't really see much in what's happening. So yeah, he's, he's kind of a, a badass actually. I like his character cause he's like a, he's a no BS type of guy. You know, he kind of shoots straight, tells it like it is, um, extremely by the book. And he is one of the he's one of the people who can really derail the agent's operation if they're not careful because he is kind of the lead um, or the supervisory agent from the FBI. He wants to be involved in everything in every part of the operation. So he could really be a thorn on the agent's side because he wants to know things and he'll show up at night in their hotel room and you know, try, and with it with a case of beer and be like, oh, let's just talk about th- what's going on and brainstorm together. And there's no ill intent. He's just trying to do his job, but it can really, really get the agents uh, boiling here. <laughs> and it can, yeah, it can make them very paranoid. Yeah, yeah. So he's and and what happens if he does end up finding out that there is a conspiracy, meaning Delta Green, because he's such a straight shooter, he will make his life goal. Um, to 
expose Delta Green and uncover the conspiracy. So he could really become a problem if you're playing this as part of a campaign. He can develop into kind of a, a long-running kind of mini-villain in a way, even though he's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's definitely he's definitely an antagonist um, if, if the handler decides to kind of play him that way. But there are a lot of other characters that kind of act in that sort of similar role in this uh, operation that I also like. Um, but I, I think the the supervisory special agent, Canner, is a really interesting character, too, for, for similar reasons. But I like that he sort of, he gives a, a sense of, like, grounding for the agents. Like, he's, he's kind of what you would expect a normal person to be like in this universe. And a lot of the other characters or agents that they encounter often go way into the deep end. So it's nice that Canner is like, you know, he's this pillar that the agents kind of not aspire to, but you would think that they would want to act more like him just because he's, you know, like you said, he's a grounded character. He... He just wants to kind of do his job and go home. So it's it's well done, too, because, you know, um, veterans in law enforcement have seen pretty much everything in hell. In one year of law enforcement, you you see a lot. Right. Um, a lot of my professors in my forensics classes were, you know, either forensics or police people or NCIS, you know, all the all the basically different departments that investigate crimes. And. I can tell you, like, anything you see in the movies that's even remotely fake, like, they're like, nah, that would never happen. Like, they're so matter-of-fact about it. And and it's clear that, that Dennis Detwiller, when he wrote this, like, he knew that about, you know, agents with a lot of experience. This Agent Connor is a 15-year veteran of the FBI, so he's seen it all. So it makes sense that he wouldn't believe any kind of supernatural occurrence because you can, you can basically, as an investigator connect anything to either a series of events that made that thing happen or, you know, always figure out an explanation for things. There's always an explanation. And it's usually a simple explanation that just looks complex. So it makes sense that he acts in the way he, he does. So I really like how, how he's fleshed out here. And it's only done in like a few paragraphs, but he's so well, like in those few paragraphs where they describe him, it's done so well. Like you can, I think you can relate and see exactly the type of person that he is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, that's all you really need, right? It's nice that it doesn't hold your hand too much and give you a lot of detailed information because yeah. it allows you to kind of, uh, create, you know, cr use that as a skeleton and then create your own character, which is cool. Um, another aspect that I like about this character is that he can kind of act as a canary in the coal mine for the invest or for the agents. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, maybe late one night he shows up and wants to catch up with the agents. So he grabs, you know, he grabs a 12 pack of beer and they sit down and all of a sudden they haven't realized that their notes are sitting all across the, across the floor and the coffee <laughs> table. And he, he starts to kind of put two and two together and then you can kind of see his descent into madness too, which would be really interesting. Yeah, really cool character. A lot of the characters here are cool. So then next we have um, Special Agent Gant. He's the kind of the second in command under Special or Supervisory Special Agent Connor Kenner. Um, Special Agent Kent is kind of the opposite of Kenner. He's like young. He's you know he just kind of freshly out of the academy, uh, and he's on a fast track to uh, to 
being promoted to the top. And he actually wants it, his ambition is to take a, a supervisory special agent Kanner's position as the boss, basically. Um, so he's uh, he's one that you can turn into into a, an ally for Delta Green because he is really interested in the supernatural. He's very religious. And that's one thing that he doesn't um, care for Kanner uh, about is the fact that Kanner is not religious, whereas uh, Gant is very, very religious. And therefore, he is uh, more prone to believing stuff that has to do with the supernatural. So he is much easier to turn into an ally for Delta Green and can even become a Delta Green friendly if you if you do things the right way as an agent. Yeah, which is nice. I always like that. Uh, operations like this provide agents with the opportunity to gain new assets, especially if you're playing this as a part of a continuing campaign. Having an asset like Gant um, is really helpful when you end up going back to New Jersey for some reason. I, I like when they do that too. It's, it makes makes for a more dynamic uh, sort of social interaction and role play. Yeah, and it's a really neat concept of a scenario reward for this type of game, whereas in games like D&D, you end up opening a chest and you find, you know, a magic wand and <laughs> some gold and whatever. But in Delta Green, you can't really do that. Yeah. So uh, your your rewards are essentially healing sanity, gaining new allies and friendly assets. Or and, bonds. It could become a or bond. Bonds. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so that's a really interesting aspect of this scenario that I like, too. Yeah. Uh, next up is the police chief, the actual police chief, and he is uh, uh, doesn't want any part of it. <laughs> He's a small town police chief. He's not uh, experienced enough with this type of event. But his thing is uh, he's really good with the media. So the FBI, especially the supervisory special agent, um, uh, Gant, Ganner, um, he likes to have him close by because if the media ever come, like the police chief has a way with words and can kind of spin things in a good way. He's humorous. He's like shoots from the hip and is just really good with the camera. So they keep him close, even though he really doesn't want to be part of the investigation. He just wants it to be done and over with and move on. Yeah, he he's more than willing to just you know, pass on any sort of uh, responsibility to the FBI and essentially take most of the credit. Like that, <laughs> yeah. that's really his end goal. So, but he has a dark secret. He is having an affair and with a uh, with a waitress, right? <laughs> not a not so secret affair. Either. Yeah, not it's so one secret. of those kind of untold <laughs> secrets throughout town that everybody knows but doesn't say anything about. But it can also be a major derailment to the operation because him it's people having that on him could really and, and the fact that that can get him fired and he doesn't want to lose his job. Um, can really make him act in a different way than he normally would act. So it can be used to leverage him. So if the if if the agents are smart enough, they can actually use that to their advantage. If not, it can work against them <laughs> because then the media can use that to their advantage, and then he could put pressure on the agents um, in order for him to keep his job. So he can both work both ways. It can be used by the agents, or it can be he can be used against the agents. Yeah, it's nice that it, he he serves a modular purpose for the operation. 
whether whether you need some more tension in the scenario and you you use him to kind of get the agents to do something that they may not want to do like kind of hush you know hush some of the reporters up about this supposed affair that he's having or you could have him be a tremendous a tremendous asset because he essentially just doesn't get in the way of the agents trying to figure out and contain this uh, equation from the rest of the world yeah yeah <laughs> and they can they can kind of nudge him you know like hey um you know that waitress whatever you know like they could just bring her they can up. blackmail and that's what you're trying to say <laughs> yeah, basically <laughs> they can just use it as they use it intelligently if not it can backfire on them you know depending on mm -hmm. how it goes it's very dynamic like you said very modular <laughs> Um, but that that leads us into the reporter, the local reporter in town. Oh, wait, before the reporter, there's a trooper who's actually a friendly, Delta Green friendly, Top, Trooper Thomas Blanet. There's not a whole lot of info on him, but he is a Delta Green friendly, so he is aware of the program and uh, very important because this is a very difficult operation uh, that can, there are times where I'm sure a lot of the agents are going to get stuck and not know what to do. And this guy can be used to kind of help them out uh, in getting more information or getting the things that they need. Yeah, he, he's essentially um, he's essentially how the agents get involved in the operation to begin with, as he he works um, as a part of the New Jersey FBI. And he he kind of tells Delta Green, like, hey, this might be a problem. And that's how the agents kind of get involved. And he sort of acts as their um intermediary liaison. in the beginning yeah yeah liaison he kind of acts as their liaison through the beginning of the scenario but later on he may you know he may it depends on what the handler wants to do but there's a lot of options uh to use this uh delta green asset in a way that could either be uh troublesome for the agents or it could be of of aid to them if they need it which yeah. is cool too yeah which is why he's so important even though there's not a whole lot from him and when you read the scenario it seems like oh he's kind of unimportant really other than bringing them together with the with the rest of the leos um in the operation he the important thing with him is um the handler has a tool with this trooper and that tool is if your agents get stuck use this tool to help nudge them forward into the operation if they're doing too well and you want to throw in a little a little bit of more um interesting twist into the scenario this is your tool for that so like it's a very important character in terms of the handler being able to kind of put their hand into the operation without just telling the players hey why don't you do this you know so. Yeah, he acts. He acts as also a way to remind the agents why they're there to begin with. You know, I th I think a lot of times in these sorts of investigative games, it can be easy to derail your players. But uh, Delta Green is a very structured organization. If you're playing as a part of the program, so you want to you want to give that impression onto your players that you know they're they're here to do a mission, and if that they get off track, kind of chasing around a love affair from some local police chief that like he's going to come to them and be like what the hell are you doing like you need to be doing this or um you know he can kind of gently remind the players that there is certain protocols that they need to adhere to when on the field yeah exactly all right and now the one you were going to talk about 
Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Good old reporter. What's his name again? Enrico Save, which is hilarious. And, I love that name because it's like a... Do you remember in the 90s, there was a, a really popular song and it was the guy named Rico Suave. Rico <laughs> Suave. <laughs> it was such a cheesy song and a cheesy video. Well, I, I do remember that, yeah. <laughs> that's, so this guy, this has to be kind of like a nod to that. Enrico Suave, come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, it probably is. I mean, let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> So what is Enrico Save? What is his role? Yeah, so Enrico Save is, he's a local news reporter, and he is very charismatic. He has uh, he has a very good way of getting information out of people. He's very charismatic. He, people love him. You know, he's he really is the face of the local area. And he has a lot of ties, whether it's with law enforcement or it's his crew kind of always surveying the local area, trying to find the next story. But man, oh man, is this guy going to be a pain in the ass for the agents because he is going to be stalking them basically nonstop throughout the, throughout the entirety of the operation. Yeah, it's hilarious because, I mean, wherever they are, he's there. He has, like, assets that he works with, his producer and his cameraman, so he can kind of be in three places at once. And basically constantly follow the agents, um, which um, kind of leads me into a, a side note here. The scenario recommends that the agents set up a safe house uh, in order to do their actual Delta Green operation in addition to their hotel room, because all the local law enforcement are going to know where they're staying in terms of hotel and stuff. So they don't they need to be really careful where they leave any information regarding the actual supernatural investigation. Um, and. The safe house is a great way for them to kind of regroup and figure other things out safely. So I like that they throw that in, but the agents may not come up with the idea on their own. So you kind of have to nudge them. And that's that's kind of where Police Chief Upton Weeks, I'm sorry, Trooper Thomas Planet would come in handy. You can kind of hint at that with that trooper. But anyways, um, the safe house is a great way for them to get away with Enrico Save, but... If they're not careful, he could end up figuring out where the safe house is and it can immediately, he's not a dumb guy, it can immediately set him off into thinking there's something more to this investigation and then try to you know, find a way to get into the safe house and find out what's in there. So it can really derail the operation if they're not careful. But even, even the safe house um, not being a factor, he can be a really big thorn on their side because he can show up at times where they're not expecting to be heard or seen if they're discussing things regarding the you know the unnatural yeah and he's always going to have a camera and or a mic pointing at them so you know the agents really need to be careful what they say and what they do around around the reporter yeah it's really a cool mechanic it's it's been uh in a couple of other operations from dennis uh, little things like this with the media. Um, have you read Victim of the Art yet? No, I haven't yet. So I, I ran Victim of the Art twice. And a, a kind of a big part of that scenario is there's this kind of conspiracy theory website. And they consider themselves journalists. Um, and they they kind of follow the agents around because they think there's something weird going on. And it's a cool dynamic in the operation because not only are you trying to figure out what's going on 
but now you have to deal with this media and you can't be aggressive because they're live streaming sometimes and they're um, recording you. So you have to behave, but at the same time you need to contain them. So it's, it's a different dynamic in the operation and, and it's another factor that you have to deal with and juggle while you're trying to, to solve this thing. So in Victim of the Art, it's done really well, but it's a different type of thing because it's easy at the end to discredit them because they're a conspiracy theory website. Whereas in this scenario, this is a trusted news source who is very, who is held in high esteem in the local in the local community. So it's going to be very difficult to discredit someone like Enrico Save if he does start finding stuff out about the unnatural or Delta Green. So this could be a very, very big turn of events in the operation if it's not handled properly. Absolutely. And not only that, like not only do the agents have to be concerned with, you know, Enrico filming or you know, recording any of their actions, but they also have to consider that they don't want any of the, any part of the equation or any numbers from the solution of the equation getting out and being broadcasted on television because that could also trigger this uh, psychological effect on other people. So, you know, they really have to be very careful around, uh, around Enrico and his crew. And it, as if that wasn't hard enough, the agents have their regular jobs. And this story this, of this way murders starts to gain steam uh, when the agents first get there. By the time they're deep into the investigation, the news story is national news. And therefore, if they're caught on camera, now they have their local people where their normal jobs are trying to figure out, wait a minute, isn't that you know, John over there, what, what's he doing in New Jersey? What's he doing as an FBI agent? He works for the post office, you know, or whatever. Yeah, the, the agents have to be very careful with how they uh, how they portray themselves, because, you know, if they're if they're not FBI agents, they're going under the cover of FBI agents. And since they're going to be working with the actual FBI, they're going to you know, they can't just flash their badge at these people and say, like, hey, get out of the way. I'm the FBI. They're going to have to be like, uh, hold on a second. And intimidation is only going to make things worse because with a reporter like this, you try to intimidate them, they're just going to feel like there's more to dig up. Um, so, so one way the agents can handle him, which is a tool that is right in there, is the police chief. The agents could divert this guy by, you know, kind of nudging him towards the affair story. And that's a good way to try and get him off. So as a handler, if my agents were to kind of push that and nudge him towards that, I would give them a little bit of leeway and uh, get him off their backs by by having him kind of pursue that story a little bit further. But if they try to intimidate or threaten or even worse, you know, like threatened with physical violence or anything like that. Um, he's just going to get more aggressive with them and, and uh, you know, maybe bring in more camera crews and uh, set up ambushes, you know, to, to question them um, and follow them and all that stuff. In, in uh, Victim of the Art, so one of the, you know, one of the games I ran of Victim of the Art, because these guys were part of the this conspiracy website, they were ambushed in Taco Bell with the camera, right? But this was not live streamed. 
the agents took the guy to the back to interview him and they they just shot him in the head which is the craziest thing <laughs> just shot him in the head in the back parking lot of, of taco bell Oh my this is God. my D&D group. Yeah, this is why I don't play Delta Green with them this much. They literally <laughs> murdered the guys. But they they were conspiracy theorists, right? So a lot of times these people get themselves into situations they can't handle and can get killed. And nobody really bats an eye because they're conspiracy theorists. But someone like this guy, you can't do that kind of thing with him because he's very well known, very well respected. And if he's missing that now, it's going to turn into a bigger, bigger situation. And with the story now going national at this point, it can really turn into something crazy. So if your agents are crazy enough to try and kill him <laughs> or deal with him and or capture him or torture him or something like that, it's only going to get worse for the agents if they try and do something like that. But if they do nothing, that leads us into our next problem for the agents, which is which is Dr. Comox, who's the mathematician expert that's uh, brought in from the FBI to investigate the, the Laqueus equation and the various numbers that were drawn in blood on the on the crime scene. And she presents a major problem for the agents in a totally different way than any of the other characters, which I f think is really fascinating. So as, a, as an expert in mathematics, she's eventually going to figure out what these numbers mean, what the Laqueus equation is, and how to solve it. And once, you know, once the agents are involved in the operation, they're going to see her degradation very quickly over the next couple of days if they don't do anything about it. Yeah, her deterioration, it, it's fast. It She just goes from day to day, it just gets worse and worse. And there's a point where I think it's day three where it just, it's, it's too late. Let's break the timeline down. So on if Dr. Comox is, Comox is sent in, um, because there is a chance she's not sent in if an agent happens to to be good with mathematics and physics and just gets by, <laughs> then they may not send her in. But as a handler, I think it's something you may want to throw in there because it's a it's one of the more interesting parts of the operation is to have Comox's deterioration. So find a way to throw her in if you do end up having an agent that's good with math or um, physics. Anyways, um, so she arrives and she's a crypto analyst for the FBI. She has a double PhD in math and cryptography. You know, she's done a few cases involving mathematical oddities and stuff. And so um, she finds the sequence of numbers. And because she's so interested in math and stuff and cryptography, she starts to kind of look deeper into it. So on the first day, she takes a bunch of notes and then she gets into Way's email from the FBI servers because she has access to it. And then she goes into her room and just gets to work in her, in the privacy of her room. So what happens if uh, if she's not interrupted and uh, and uh, continues her work throughout day one? What happens on the next day? So on day two, she will make her way to the crime scene or the, the house where the family was murdered. And she'll see some of the numbers that are uh, painted in blood throughout the kitchen. And I believe there's another portion of the house where there's numbers painted. Yeah. So there's, there's you know, there's various numbers painted in blood all throughout the house. And she, she basically just looks at them and goes, oh, 
and has an epiphany, essentially. And then she immediately just leaves the crime scene, goes back to her hotel room, and just starts plugging away at this equation. Yep. And so if at this point the agents don't do anything about it, uh, she'll stay all up all night working on the on this these numbers in this sequence. One of the things that she noticed in the murder scene was the clock in the in the stove. the The clock has numbers that match the numbers on the sequence. Like it stopped at those numbers, which is really cool. So then, day three, uh, if the agents don't get involved here with her, she locks herself in a room and stays up all night working on it. And then, what happens on day three? Uh, so day three, she goes to the highway near the Motel 6 where the FBI is set up and she starts jotting a bunch of notes down and she seems strangely like happy or overjoyed. Um, and she she, you know, she kind of clearly looks like she's gone off the deep end a bit and she just sort of becomes manic. And from that point, she. She has to test this theory that she's been coming up with over the past couple of days. And that's essentially it. Like she she phones in this supervisor, complains that she ate some bad sushi the night before and stays in her hotel and just continues to plug away at this equation. Yep. She's basically setting up, uh, not showing up to work the next day. So then the next day. She doesn't show up, and a state trooper then is sent to, you know, for to locate her. And the door's unlocked, and her laptop is destroyed, um, and some papers have been burned in the in the wastebasket in the room that she ignited with a lighter. But her car is still in the parking lot, so she's somewhere nearby. The thing is, her credit cards are unused, so no one can track where she's at. And then the FBI is notified that she has disappeared. So at this point, it's like way too late for her. Like she's already lost. So the only bad things can happen from here on in. So day four is basically spent looking for her. And then day five. Oh, man, day five. So really early in the morning before anything opens, Dr. Kamax walks into a, a stock trading firm. She sets a fire. Uh, destroying about $3 million in bearer bonds. She, uh, I think from that point, she, like, kills a bunch of the fire crew that's on the ground there, and from that point, she falls to her death, like she climbs to the top of the building and commits suicide? <laughs> um, yeah, she's she uh, drops nine stories, yep. So <laughs> just absolutely goes nuts, kills a bunch of uh, people, burns the place down, I mean, absolutely nuts, which these the agents are involved in a in a murder investigation in a small town where things like this don't normally happen. And then uh, now they have to deal with this someone who's part of the investigation. And you got to factor in that there's all these other people involved, like especially the Enrico Save. This kind of thing is is the kind of event if the agents let this happen this is the kind of event that is going to get Enrico Save to dig deeper uh, because he'll clearly know there's something else going on here. Yeah, well, she also, she travels to New York from New Jersey. So, you know, she's in the middle of New York City and this makes national news within hours that an FBI agent, like, sets fire to a building and commits suicide. So, yeah, this is, if this happens, it's 
basically game over. Yeah, it's downhill for the agents. Downhill because yeah. things are going to get out of get out of hand beyond their control. They're not going to be able to control the media. Uh, they're not going to be able to control the rest of the FBI. And because they're they're going to be involved in this since they were working closely with her. They will be interviewed and all this stuff, and it's going to come out because their cover identities as FBI agents, they're not they're good enough for just kind of, kind of a cursory look over. But anyone starts investigating, which they would be clearly investigated since she was working closely with them, uh, it would immediately come out that these people that the agents are not who they say they are, and. Things things will get really bad really quick if they allow that to happen. But that's a, that'll happen on day five, which by that point, the investigation should be at least near its end. So if if they haven't uh, concluded the investigation or come close to it by day five, then things were going to be over anyways. Because there's another event which you touched on, you briefly touched on, which which was the email. Uh, that way sent before he went on his shooting spree. Yeah, so if the agents think to uh, go to Wei's dorm room in Columbia, they they find a bunch of notes scattered throughout all of his room. They they see notes of this laqueous equation written on the floor. Um, there's a bunch of evidence that leads them basically to the conclusion that Wei was studying this equation and that he, um, you know, that it essentially like told him things. I believe there's like a specific quote in the operation itself that he, he like jots down like, uh, some coordinates and, uh, the, the agents can discover a lot of information from going to his dorm room, but he also leaves his laptop. And if the agents go through his laptop, they can see his most recent emails, one of which being an email to the rest of his, uh, mathematics group where he he claims to have solved the Laqueous equation and he he spreads the information on how to solve it to the other I think it's 12 or maybe 11 other people in his group yeah it's um, 12 12 individuals so yeah 11 other people and the agents are going to also have to track these people down as well and if they don't then there are dire consequences to that yeah and what what makes it even more difficult is these people are all over the world you got people in germany in france philippines england in other parts of the u.s like missouri california florida there's no way the agents can get to every single one of these people in time so if they ask delta green for help which they really should at this point instead of trying to handle all those people themselves if they try to handle them themselves, the operation is pretty much over. Things are going to get bad. Uh, but if they ask Delta Green for help, Delta Green will handle the international people with their with their friendlies over there. But the agents are, are asked to help in the more local uh, individuals who receive the email. So how they handle the email, this is, this is one part that's going to be very difficult. Uh, I think very experienced agents, and even then are, are going to be the only ones who are going to really have a good solution to stopping this, this situation with the, with the emails and possibly spreading this equation uh, quickly because it's, they mentioned it in the operation. And I think the best description is, is how they describe it. It's kind of like a virus. Everyone it touches, it affects, and then they can spread it to others by showing it <laughs> to others. And anyone who's even decent at math, 
uh, can be exposed to it and be affected by it. So it's something that can spread very quickly like a virus and get out of hand very quickly. And that's, I think, briefly touched on, but I wish that the the operation gave a little bit more information on the proper ways to handle and contain this because the way I see it, it is nearly an impossible task to fully contain this thing. Yeah, that that was the conclusion I came to, too. And that was actually a, a bit of a criticism that I had with this scenario is that I feel that the equation is ill-defined as there are times when you're reading the operation that it says, like, the agents will see numbers from the equation or, you know, that somebody has figured out a part of the sequence of the equation. But then they also, like, talk about how the equation makes you go mad and kind of descend into it's very ill-defined a lot of the time and it can be kind of confusing in a way because just seeing a bunch of random numbers doesn't like you wouldn't think that that would have much effect on somebody but like you said the the equation essentially acts like a virus and that it becomes kind of all-consuming within your mind but i feel like it's not very well uh, it's not very well thought out in that regard, I think. Yeah, the containment is the difficult part. Um, so I guess since we're we're mostly um, kind of giving our thoughts on that, let's just get to our uh, our thoughts then. So continuing on what you said, like the the biggest issue I have with with the operation is that is the solution to containing it. It could be easy to end the operation since the the agents have their hands deep into the actual investigation of the murders. They can temper with a little bit of evidence, get the, you know, get the file closed very quickly by just making it look like lovers gone wrong or something. And then, okay, case closed. We know he did it. End of story. And then it's locked away and nobody else has to be exposed to it. That one is easy to contain, but because of the email existing and it being sent to 12 people that, uh, and in different areas, the agents really have no way to contain that quickly enough. There will be other murders that happen. And when those murders happen, there's going to be more investigations. And the agents are not going to have cover identities to, you know, close up those investigations either. So it it feels like there's really no way to win. And I think unless you have really experienced agents or really clever agents who can figure some way to do so. And because of that, I think this operation is more uh, geared towards experienced agents or people who are experienced in investigative games, very, very experienced. It is most definitely not for beginners. And it's interesting because um, I saw you know, Bud's RPG review and he mentioned that this was a great scenario for to introduce people to Delta Green, but I'm like, no. Don't get me wrong. I don't think the scenario is bad. In fact, it, I think it's very good. It's in the upper tier. It's just definitely not for beginners. Definitely not for beginners. This is way too difficult. Yeah, I think I would agree. And it's not so much that it can be difficult. I think it's more that the scenario, I think as intended, leads the investigation more towards the murder than it does the equation itself. Unless you're very clear about that as a handler, like you're here to investigate these numbers, then it, it can kind of feel like you're being led on the wrong path from the very beginning. 
if it's not handled well. So I would also argue that it's also like you have to be a really experienced handler to run this correctly as well. Yeah, handler and player. And and then the, the other factors, if you're a new player, you've got to juggle the police chief, the FBI chief, you know, the, the police chief's a fair thing, the FBI chief and his suspicions, possibly suspicions, Enrico Sabe, the media, there's a lot of things going on that you have to deal with and juggle that a new agent will definitely not know how to handle. Because most operations are pretty linear in that you have this incursion and you got to deal with it. And then you're just kind of learning information, investigating, and then how to deal with the incursion. But this scenario throws all these extra factors in that derail your investigation and therefore make it far more difficult for a new agent to be able to deal with. I would definitely not run this for a new investigator or or if you're a new handler, like you said. Yeah, I think if you wanted to run a scenario that's kind of similar to this, but is a little easier for newer players, I think I would recommend something like Ex Oblivione, where that scenario kind of has a similar initial premise to it, right? It's a murder investigation. You go out to a local town, you find some information, and that leads into this, you know, climax at the end of that scenario. Whereas this one, you know, it has some really cool aspects to it. Like, I really like the reporter. I really like that there's all these kinds of ways that you can throw wrenches into the gears of the investigation as a handler, but as a player, that might be very frustrating. So... I think you kind of have to, as a handler, gauge uh, like how much of these tools you should use, because like you said, you know, the agents can get derailed very easily. And if they're not experienced, they're going to feel like it's a hopeless situation. And that's while that is kind of what you want to be uh, like providing as the mood, you also want the agents to have fun so you know there's that 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 balance there that you have to maintain yeah it can't just all be frustration so for for my neutral oh do you have any other like in the negatives no i actually really i really like this scenario other than you know i feel that the equation itself is not really well defined which i think can be kind of disappointing as it just kind of feels too random yeah <laughs> to me so um for for neutral i um basically think that it is very open-ended so um whereas we mentioned in the in kind of like our negative sort of negative was the difficulty of the scenario it it is an added difficulty for a handler and this is only a neutral for me because some people really like the open games and like the, you know, what they call a sandbox type of, of game. This one is very sandbox. Unlike Ex Oblivione, that is very linear. Uh, I wouldn't call it railroad, but it's very linear and it has defined like three sections, you know, section one, section two, and then the finale, right? This one doesn't have that. Uh, there is a, a timeline of events, but that's just something that's gonna happen regardless. But how the agents handle the operation is very open. They basically can handle it however they want. And because of it, there's not a whole lot of mention of different skill checks. So th that's why it's neutral for me. I don't think the scenario intends for you to do no skill checks or very few skill checks. I think it's left to the handler because it really depends on what the agents are doing. If they're going to be hacking into the emails uh, of the people who are receiving them from Way, 
then okay, you're gonna have to use your computer science skill. If you're going to be uh, trying to communicate with the people internationally who receive the email, then maybe a um, signals intelligence, you know, uh, role would be good. Uh, things like that, you know, if you're gonna tamper with evidence at the crime scene, maybe a forensics role would be good. So all those kind of things require a more experienced handler to know what, what type of skill you need to use in order for, um, you know, your agents to succeed in that particular thing. And it definitely requires a lot of experience, you know, and knowledge of how things work. Okay, so you want to call in, because you're an FBI agent, um, you want to call in another department for help with this, and you're really using them, manipulating them to help uh, with the cover-up. Okay, go ahead and use your bureaucracy. There's plenty of skills you can use here. This is very open, but because it's not defined in the scenario, it's definitely something that would require an experienced handler to to manage so it's that's a neutral for me yeah i I would totally agree with that uh, that assessment like like you're absolutely right there is a lot that you can do it's very open-ended you know once the investigators get to the crime scene they can do whatever they want essentially like you said they can you know they can investigate the crime scene start maybe taking pictures of the numbers they could look at the the shotgun that way left at the crime scene and maybe that leads them to you know another potential lead or they could like you said they could hack into his emails they could investigate more about the family that was being murdered which is a dead end but nonetheless you know it's it's a reasonable line of reasoning for an especially a newer agent to take and like you said, I think this requires a lot of homework from the handler to run smoothly because it's so open-ended. You're really going to need to be very familiar with all of the details of the scenario before running it. But because of it, it could be really cool. Like it could it could lead to some things that you didn't think of that your agents come up with. So, you know, like like as I was reading it, I'm like, oh, okay, I would, if I was a player, I would use my connections in the criminal underground to blackmail the the police chief into like tampering with evidence so that the agents themselves don't have to do it and that way you can't get caught because it's some criminal seedy criminal underground individual who's blackmailing the police chief so if anyone finds out that evidence is being tampered with oh it was the police chief there's no way they're going to tie it to you you know (laughs) so that's what i would do so it's like little things like that that really can make this a really interesting experience but if you're not if you're not an experienced handler or an experienced player, it can be overwhelming when you have so many open options and, and no direction, you know? I mean, thankfully, thankfully, the scenario does give the handler, um, the the special agent, the Delta Green friendly, that's a part of the state police, as as sort of a way to kind of get the investigation back on track. But yeah, it still requires that the handler does their homework and make sure that they're really intimately familiar with the scenario. But let's move on to the things that we really enjoy about the scenario. Oh, there's a and lot. I think, <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot. And for me, I think what I like about the scenario the most is that it, it really does feel like an investigation, I think more so than other Delta Green operations. Definitely. Whereas I feel, I feel a lot of Delta Green operations you you start by investigating but really the meat of the scenario is about whatever incursion is occurring or occurred and is resurfacing because of the events that happen throughout the investigation 
Whereas this operation is very focused on the investigation, figuring out what the numbers are, what they mean, and containing the spread of this, you know, equation virus or what have you. So that aspect I really like about this operation. But what about you, Vase? I agree with you. I love that part of it because, you know, to, like I said, I've, I studied forensics, so it holds a very special place in my heart when it's an actual, like, deep investigation with a lot of twists and turns. I love it. It's really cool. I love a lot of aspects of this. The the different characters all have interesting things to them and have a lot of um, tools that the handler can use to make the operation really interesting. And they give you all the tools that you need here with these, with these characters. So I love the characters, love the events, uh, the wrenches that they throw in there. Uh, between you know the the affair from the police chief i love that it's modular like you said that's really cool and interesting and something that i can't think of another delta green operation doing uh so that was cool and then the media situation is really interesting i love that the agents have to juggle all these things while still dealing with this operation and still have to solve the case and you know, contain this un, uh, unnatural incursion. Uh, really, really well done. The The layout of the operation itself is also really well done. I think it's very easy to follow. So uh, maybe that's why Bud's RPG said it's good for a handler because it, it is really well laid out in, in just the right way. Like it goes into a summary of what happened and then into the people involved and then it goes deeper after that. So it's easy to wrap your head around everything that's going on. There are some operations where I've had to go back and reread it in order to kind of wrap my head around it. This one is laid out, even though it's complex, it's laid out in such a way where it's very easy to follow. So I really like that too. Yeah, and another aspect that I like is that the story is very much driven by the agent's choices, right? Where there isn't a lot of these like damned if you do, damned if you don't situations in this operation, which I, I really like. You know, if the agents decide that they... They want to be, you know, intimate with with Comox and kind of see what she's doing. Then they have a chance to potentially, you know, uh, lead her back into the into the realm of the scene. Versus if you know if they go off to New York and they investigate Columbia and they go to the police station there, then you know a couple of days later she's off the deep end and you know they don't see or hear from her and then all of a sudden they see her on the local news on the following evening. So there's a lot of really cool things that I think as a handler you could develop more and you could really like turn this operation into a full-fledged campaign which is really cool you can yeah that's you know that's a really good point um that i hadn't considered because of the spread to the people in the email list definitely it can lead into several operations where the agents are now involved in this and because of their experience with this one with the way murders they're called into the other ones as they start to develop on their own yeah, that's a that's a great point. It can really lead to a longer running mini campaign or full on campaign. So like that, that aspect of the open endedness of this scenario, I think really, really does give you a lot of creative freedom, which is really cool. And I really do like that about this scenario. So 
I think overall, this is probably one of my favorite operations from Black Sites so far. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think Kaligati is probably, man, there's just so many good ones in this book. Um, <laughs> but I agree. I think now that I'm looking at the list, I think it's up there. Kaligati and this one are like neck and neck for me. Yeah, I would agree. I like I like a lot of what this scenario allows you to do. But I, I do think that, you know, it's going to require more work than some of the other scenarios in this book than, uh, you know, like, for instance, I think Kaligati is a pretty easy scenario to run because, you know, the events are very laid out before you. You can kind of plan, OK, like at this point, the agents are going to go to the desert and then the agents will go here, et cetera, et cetera. But this scenario is so open ended that you really have to. You have to account for everything at once. So you kind of like the work is very front loaded. But I think if you're willing to, as a handler, put in that effort, it's going to pay off in the long run because this scenario is it's got a lot of really interesting elements that we've been covering through this episode. Yeah. And uh, one thing uh, now that you mentioned Kaligati in comparison to this one, Kaligati requires you to know a few more of the rules this one is more rules light. Like it's mostly just skill rolls and or not even rolls. I mean, most of the most of this scenario, if you have a high enough skill because things aren't going quite bad yet, you're going to either succeed or fail or get more or less information. So it's pretty rules light. Like you don't have to know a lot of the Delta Green rules. And because there's not a whole lot of action, you don't need to really dive deep into the combat rules either. You know, whereas Kaligati, you kind of do. Um, and even even like the sanity rules in this one, if you reach your breaking point, you don't necessarily need to know what happens with that because this scenario specifically has a special thing that occurs if you reach your breaking point on most of the things that occur. Yes. So if you reach your breaking point throughout the scenario, you begin to see parts of the solution for the Laquias equation anywhere. You see them on receipts, you see them in phone numbers, you see them in text messages, you see them, you know, like on clocks or uh, countdowns. You, you see it all over the place and it begins to kind of become all consuming in in the player's psyche. And that's a really interesting aspect too that we hadn't previously discussed in this review is that this scenario does provide a unique, uh, you know, a unique unique penalty to the agents as well, which is cool. Yeah, yep. So it's definitely easier in terms of the rules than some of the other scenarios, and uh, I do like that. It, it's great, man. I think uh, this one has the potential to utilize a lot of agent skills. Agents can, because of the open nature, agents can really focus on what they're good at. You know, if you have an agent who is, um, I don't know, a person who's good with bureaucracy, then they can really play on that and start calling different departments, work with the local uh, law enforcement. And uh, if you have an agent who's good with forensics, then they can work on the cover up, you know, so like they'll, they agents have more freedom to focus on what they're good at, because it's so open. And I know you had kind of an issue with um, observer effect, because it was kind of the opposite of that. Uh, so, so I do appreciate that in this, and I kind of see what you were talking about with the observer effect, especially after reading this through this scenario, it's, it's really nice to not have to worry what the agent's uh, normal 
normal profession is because they can certainly use that to their advantage. The agent themselves, they're going to come up with things that they can do based on their profession. You know, you don't even have to deal with that as a handler because they're going to be the ones that are like, well, my agent will do this because they're good at that. So let's focus on that, you know? Yeah. And I, I like that this scenario, not only does it give the players the options to do these things, but it actually like has a tangible benefit, right? Whereas a lot of scenarios are like, yeah, you could do that, but it's kind of a waste of time. Like, like an observer effect kind of going back to that scenario, like if you were good at forensics, that's, you know, you could use that skill to uncover some information, but a majority of the information is locked behind like computer science or physics or microelectronics and, you know, these sorts of very niche skills where, like you said, you know, this is so open-ended and uh, provides a lot of opportunities for the, the agents to use all of their skills, which is really, really awesome. Um, one little criticism that I that I have kind of on that point, though, is that you know, I think a lot of players come to a role-playing game kind of half expecting to roll dice a lot of the time, whereas in Delta Green and this scenario and this operation in particular, you're not going to be doing a lot of dice rolling. It's This is very role-play heavy, so if you're not into that, then maybe run... <laughs> play yeah, play Kaligati, I guess, instead. Yeah. Um, because this is very role-play dependent, especially as the handler, too, because you need to be... You know, you need to be the the charismatic police chief. You need to be the persistent and annoying uh, Enrico Suave team of news reporters. You need to be – you also need to be kind of the agent's guiding hand throughout the operation. You need to be um, – you know, you need to be the, the New York Police Department kind of wondering why the agents are here investigating something that didn't happen or – you know, there's a lot of things that you need to be able to kind of come up with on the fly. So, you know, and the agents too. The agents kind of need to role play these, these situations out too. So if your group isn't perhaps the best at role playing, maybe hold off on this. But I think aside from – that minor quit. This is a really awesome scenario. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And that's a good point that I think needed to be mentioned. So I'm glad you brought it up. It's if you if your group likes to roll dice, don't don't play this one. I love it. I think it's great. I think it it can be really cool to do the I mean, this is like one of the ultimate collaborative storytelling scenarios because you're basically all deciding how the story goes together the agents and the handler because it's all based on their decisions more so than any other scenario that i've read for delta green so i i think it's fantastic but yeah if your group likes to roll a lot of dice this is not the right scenario for them for sure yeah i think that about wraps up this review face do you have any closing thoughts about last equation before we sign off no i think it's great it's definitely up there for me uh really enjoyed it very clever and unique use of the mythos in a way uh i thought i thought this one was really out there it's it's separated itself from a lot of other scenarios for delta green or call of cthulhu very unique I, I think it's fantastic yeah it's got that kind of like color out of space sort of story beat to it right where like this unforeseen thing comes down and affects you know it affects way in this very mm -hmm. like real cerebral way so it's, it's got an interesting kind of callback without being a callback, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I really like this scenario, too. And if you're interested in picking up 
black sites or last equation you can check out the links into the description below there will be a link through the drive-through as well as the arkham or the arc dream publishing website where you can purchase this book either in physical copy or in digital form the drive-through being drive-through rpg.com that's where you can buy a lot of the pdfs and and games it's not the mcdonald's drive-through <laughs> I got some people may not know what drive-through rpg is but drive-through rpg.com it's you can buy a bunch of games and stuff on pdf it's and there's a lot of sales that go on a lot of the time mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a great resource for anyone looking to get more into role-playing games as well as a way to support creators and get uh, print-on-demand product but again uh i've been your host nate and joined with me was Innkeeper Vase Odin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn. And we will see you all in the next Operation Review, which is going to be Hourglass. And then we will wrap up Black Sites, giving our overall thoughts in that review. And I guess we'll see what the future has in store for us with Delta Green. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We've been getting a lot of clamoring for impossible landscapes. So I think Ooh. I think... Taking a trip back to Night Floors is in our future, my friend. But until then, we will see you all next time. See you guys.